Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. But dealing with issues of aging can get rough, and if you add on fears surrounding the coronavirus, we've been through some pretty difficult times as of late. All of us could use a big dose of inspiration and encouragement, and our guest today is known for providing just this type of support. Rachel Hollis is an American author, a motivational speaker, and a blogger who's created both a lifestyle brand and a media company, as well as authored two number one New York Times bestselling books. And Rachel's joining us today to share all about her just-released and soon-to-be third bestseller entitled Didn't See That Coming, Putting Your Life Back Together When Your World Is Falling Apart. I have so been looking forward to talking with you, Rachel. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'd like to start off at the very top. Full disclosure, you are probably about half my age and half the age of most (laughs) of my audience. But the truth and the wisdom that you share in this book are perfect for people of any age. Uh, I'd like to ask you to start out by telling us a little bit about Didn't See That Coming and what happened to you while you were writing and editing the book because, again, that's a truth that you experienced yourself. Yeah, so I was actually editing the book that was meant to come out this year. So I had already written a book that was meant to come out in 2020, and I was editing it in the first few weeks that I was at home for quarantine because of corona. And I was I was editing, and I, I tend to write my, – my other books are a lot of humor, a lot of irreverence, and I just felt like it was tone deaf. I felt like – how on earth am I supposed to bring out this book this year when people are so scared and when so many people are hurting? And I really wanted to create something that was for what we're walking through right now. And so I stopped editing that book and I started writing this one. And while nobody has the answers for how to deal with a global pandemic in 2020, there are a lot of tools and a lot of resources for how to deal with the side effects. So how do you take on things Mm. like anxiety or fear or grief when you're walking through crisis? And I started writing the book because unfortunately I have a lot of experience with those things in my life. And in the midst of editing this book, um, my marriage ended. And for the first time in my life, I found myself working on something while inside of the kind of pain that I was trying to teach about. And I've never done that before. Actually, there's an old quote that says you should never teach from your wounds. You should only teach from your scars, meaning you should only teach about things that you have gone through, that you've done the work that have healed over. And I found myself, you know, trying to make a decision on whether or not I should still bring out this book that was written sort of in both places. Like it was the first pass was written outside of grief and the second pass was written very much inside of it. And um, it is a, it is a most unique thing I think I have ever worked on. And I decided to put it out regardless of how hard that process was, because I felt like I know that I am not the only one who is walking through a hard season right now. 
And maybe if I talk about my hard season and I give some practical tips for how to navigate, it might help readers to do the same. Wow, Rachel. And I just want everybody out there, that quote you just referred to, this book is full of that type of wisdom. And the inside cover, I thought this this was just so meaningful to me. Uh, it's described as a small book about big feelings. And you went through, yes. a, of course, a, a divorce, which I have not experienced myself, but aging, and there's a lot of great things about growing older, but loss is a big, big part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, losing friends, losing spouses, you know, it, it's a Every part of life has its challenges, but you are so wise, wise beyond your years. <laughs> I want to thank you for this book. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, and a couple of the suggestions you thought, I, I thought, I mean, well, the many of them are, are really right on. You kind of begin with the aspect of redefining one's, you know, internal and external identity. And so a couple of ways you suggest doing that is learning to really speak your truth, which age helps with, I will say that. Uh, we get to be feisty, as <laughs> that's the name of my, <laughs> my uh, show is, but speak the truth and establish boundaries. Yes, I think that that's something definitely that most people struggle with, especially women, because I think most of us are raised to please others. You know, we're raised that in order for us to be good, we need to be good for other people, which means that often you are being defined by someone else's perception of you, which is so dangerous. And one of the most powerful things you can do in your life is to decide or, or is to understand that you define who you are. And if you define who you are and you create boundaries and hold them in place that say, I am allowed because I am a human being, I am allowed to show up in this way that I want to show up. And if that makes you uncomfortable, if you don't like that, if you don't agree with that, that's okay. We can still love each other. We can still be friends. You can still be here, but I will not allow your your desire for who I am to change my desire for who I'm going to become. Wow. I told everybody this is going to be a good one. That that is so profound, really, Rachel. And another thing that kind of, you know, caught my eye because I've been trained as a counselor, but Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, we used to call it DABDA, but the the stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, Mm -hmm. depression, and acceptance, you actually kind of prefer more who, what, when, where, why, and how. And how does this shift in thinking help people, do you think, when when you're looking at grief and sadness? You know, I don't know if it would be different for someone who's walking through true grief for the first time as an adult. So I went through profound grief as a 14-year-old. My older brother committed suicide, and I found him, and it was incredibly traumatic, as you can imagine. But beyond the trauma of that experience was also the loss of my big brother and this person who was incredibly important in my life. And I, I I was 14 when I went to see a therapist for the first time after he died. And that was when I learned about the stages of grief. And it is a very powerful thing to understand, but as, as a teenager, it sort of meant nothing to me. I couldn't find a way to kind of make that make sense in my young brain. But what I did start to notice was that a lot of my anxiety or fear or suffering came in the form of questions 
that I kept asking um, things like why, why did this happen? Why our family uh, things like when, when, when am I going to feel normal again? When is it going to be okay? When will we stop crying every day? So my, um, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that it sort of perfectly fit into the five W's who, what, when, where, why, but as I got older, I started to see um, some some themes emerge there for me. And I thought that in this book, if I were to write about those questions, that maybe it would help people to sort of have that, make that connection of how that's manifesting in their own life. Because honestly, if anyone follows my work enough, what you'll eventually realize is I just keep telling people the same thing. Understand why. If you can understand why something is happening, why do you do that thing? Why are you triggered in this way? Why does that particular statement hurt you, but this one doesn't? If you can understand why, you have gained powerful information that can give you the idea for how to navigate around it. So for me, if I'm walking you through these questions and I'm talking about the different ways that we suffer, and you didn't even realize you were suffering in that way until you read it in the book, that can be profound. I'm sure you've experienced that many times. I've experienced that many times in reading. And so that was why I tried to lay them out in that way that maybe sort of brought it down to a more basic level than the stages of grief. Well, I, and again, in in discussing this and just sharing this information, I think it's so incredibly helpful. And also, Rachel, something that I, in my advanced age, had never even considered that I, it was a real aha moment is the way that you describe two terms, perspective and mindset. I kind of thought they were the same thing, but they're really not. I tried really hard to explain that in the book as a chapter for each one. And to be honest, I, I hadn't sort of carried around those definitions for a long time, but I thought I've got to be able to, I, I'm, I'm constantly trying to bring it down. I'm trying to meet the reader where they're at. And most of my audience are not people who would self-identify as personal development. They're not growth junkies. They're just, they're, they're usually just women who sort of grab the book at Target and kind of go, what's this all about? So I'm trying to make it as clear to understand as possible. And so in the book, I describe it as um, perspective is the way that you see the world. So our perspective, you know, there, there's an old expression that says we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. So we see the world through the lens of our history, our family of origin, the place we were raised in the world. We don't see reality. We see our reality. So your perspective is the way you see the world. Your mindset is what you think about what you see. So how does it make you feel when you're looking at things through that lens? Because the reality is that we are in control of both our perspective and our mindset. But until you understand what they are and how they show up in your world, I don't know that you'll fight for ownership of those things. So my intention is to try and give you the tools to just by slow, slow degrees to begin to shift the way that we see things around us. 
Wow, Rachel. Well, as I said, I, I I gained so much from reading this book, and I know you have several people you need to talk to this morning. I could take the whole day at least <laughs> and interview you about this wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, I do want to say you've got Chapter 6, Hack Your Courage, and I great tips there, lots of practical advice around finances, and, of course, habit creation, which I think underscores so many aspects of our life. But before we have to leave, I want to make sure that people know where they can go. I know you're all over the Internet, so give us an idea where our listeners can go to find out more about you, your work, and, of course, get this and your other amazing books. Thank you. Yeah, so you can grab the book anywhere books are sold. And if you like audio, I narrate all of my own books if you want to hear me sort of preach at you. And then on (laughs) social media, I'm Ms. Rachel Hollis anywhere. So you can find me on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, whatever your preferred platform is. I'm I'm everywhere but Twitter. Twitter honestly kind of freaks me out. People are a little crazy there, but I'm everywhere else. Well, and I think, too, Rachel, your concepts are awfully profound to kind of squish in that little that little tiny box on the Twitter page. Right, so right. Good point. I get it. Well, and as, as a close, I mean, are there any words of wisdom you'd like to impart with us before we have to leave? You know, I, I love it. It's so awesome to get to talk to you, but you said a couple times, like, oh, I'm half your age or, you know, that it's a different – the idea of taking ownership of our lives is something that we can cling to no matter what age we are. You know, I before COVID, I would throw these massive women's conferences, and I'd have 5,000, 8,000 women in the audience, and I can tell you that half the audience is above 50 because there's no sort of limit on – your ability, like if you think about this, sorry, I'm, you said just one second and I'm now going to talk too long, but if you think about this idea, let's say that someone listening to this is 50 years old. Well, the average lifespan now is what, 80, 90, which means that you still have an entire, like as long as you've lived, you still have an entire lifetime left to go. But you get to go yeah. into that lifetime with the knowledge and the resources that you have today, which is incredibly powerful. So if I can leave your listeners with anything, it's don't think like, oh, I'm a certain age. And so that sort of is, no, man, you have so many years left on this earth to do the things you want to do and show up in the way you want to show up. So take ownership of that and do the work to figure out how to elevate what happens next. Yay, Rachel. Well, I'm already elevated. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time, this wonderful encouragement, and helping us get through times of real grief and pain because, boy, that's, that's awfully important work. And I urge all of you out there, check out Rachel's websites, her book, especially this new one, Didn't See It Coming. We can all use some inspiration. And this book, and as you could tell, this lady delivers it big time. And while you're at it, don't forget to go out there and show the world just how feisty a woman over 50 can be. This is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio. Santa, catch you later. Bye-bye.